leading up to Christmas, we decided we were going to pause that series. We just finished chapter 4 in the book of James. We'll do chapter 5 after Christmas. And so that might take three or four more weeks. And so we're going to pause the book of James uh, and go back to it. But we're going to spend three weeks on Christmas. And today, we're going to look at... um, we're going to look at Mary's song. Mary's song, the one that she, uh, the Magnificat, some of you know it as. Um, now, it's interesting because Mary is a real picture of all of us. She's a real picture of, of all believers and is a, an example for believers to follow. Now, some of you, if you grew up in a, a Catholic background, you have a very high view of, Ma- of Mary. And if you grew up in a sort of a Pentecostal or Baptist background, maybe your view of Mary isn't as high. But today we're going to want to honor um, what God did through Mary and recognize that what um, God did through Mary, he can, um, he can move in our hearts as well and draw us to himself in obedience. Before I say that, you know that when you come to Christ, it's not always happy news for everyone around you. I remember when I first came to Christ, my wife... We were both, uh, you know, far from the Lord. My wife was less than ecstatic, right? She, it just wasn't, it wasn't um, something that we wanted. In fact, we would even talk about, because we were going to have a kid um, but before we had my first son, um, Edwin. We, we would talk about, oh, yeah, we're going to just, like, let them kind of grow up. We're not going to put them in uh, church we're not going to go to church. We're just going to let them figure out, let him, in, in this particular case, let him figure out if he wants to worship God after he's 18. Let him figure it out. Which sounds real cool and open-minded until you realize you don't do, you don't do that for anything else in your child's life. Like, could you ever imagine thinking, you know what, I'm not going to send my kid to school I'm just going to wait till they grow up and become 18. And then at the age of 18, I'll let them figure out if they want to get educated. You'd never do that, right? You go, you, you would never say, I'm not going to feed my kid broccoli and, and uh, cauliflower and vegetables and carrots and celery. I'm never going to do that. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed them whatever they want to eat. And then at 18... They could choose whatever they want. You would never do that, right? And yet, we think to do that. We think it's real cool and real open-minded. It's, it's not. like it's. So my wife wasn't super excited about it. She didn't, she, there was nothing in her and nothing in our past that would make her excited about that. Actually, the person that I've heard with, the, with a really super sad story of when he came to Christ. He came to Christ, and some of you remember him. His name is Rick Moses. He's one of like the founding members of Recovery House of Worship. He was with us early, early on when we were in basements and all that other stuff. And, um, and Rick loved, came to Christ in a big way, loved Jesus. And his wife was less than ecstatic about that. He had two, still has, two beautiful, really, really young daughters, super young. And his wife literally told him, Jesus or me? And that was a rough one because he he was like, oh, 
I, I don't want to have to choose. It shouldn't have to choose. Let's work this out. And he begged and pleaded and, and, and we prayed and cried even as she went through divorce proceedings and just moved the kids out of the state. Like, could you imagine how painful that is? Coming to Christ and having to experience the pain and the difficulty of all that. And he was like, come on, let's reason together. Let's, 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 let's do this. Come on, let's, let's think about this. Let's not do this. But, but she was determined, and that's exactly what she did. And we prayed. We asked God for a miracle to turn her heart around and change her heart and all that other stuff. And it did not happen. Because sometimes when you come to Christ, there's some ramifications to that. When you come to Christ, you're dating the guy. And you come to Christ. And then all of a sudden, no, shop's closed. You know, because when you're in the world, you know, absolutely, whatever goes, goes. You know, whatever it takes you to keep. And, and then you go, oh, no, 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 now I'm in Christ. We can't do some of those things that we were doing before. And it's like, yo, Jesus or me? It gets painful. It gets painful. God knows that many of us, he's going to call us to himself. And there's going to be pain behind it. Mary knew that experience. She was called not only to come to God, but to do a great thing for God. And it was a painful experience. Could you imagine? She's a little girl. And this was, now, you and I don't get an angel showing up. I mean, maybe some of y'all did. I I didn't get an angel um, showing up into uh, my bedroom. But that's what happened. This Gabriel, this angel, comes up, shows up, and you know the story. He says, Mary, you're going to do this awesome thing for God. You're going you're gonna to be pregnant without having sex. Like, that's breathtaking. Because I don't know how that works in your neighborhood, but say, for instance, I was engaged to be, and Mary was engaged to uh, be married with a guy by the name of Joseph. Some of you don't know this story, right? Some of you didn't grow up in, in Christian. It's cool. Let me just catch you up. And so Mary is this young teenage girl engaged to be married to this cat, Joseph. Could you imagine what that conversation was like? In my neighborhood, not so well. Like there's no way my wife could have come up to me and says, you know, we haven't slept together and I'm still a virgin, but... Would you, would you believe I'm married? I'm, I'm not married. I'm, I'm pregnant. Would you believe I'm pregnant? And, and at that point, the answer would be no. No, 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 no. Because you know what? They knew then, like we know now, there's pretty, there's pretty much one primary way to get pregnant, right? Like now we have all this advance in science and all that other stuff, and you can, you know, you can have, that's cool. But pretty much there's only one way to do this, Right? And so Gabriel comes up to her and says, you're going to be blessed. You're going to do it. And Mary goes, let it be unto me as... Now, you got to understand. This means that Mary is going to be talked about. And like right now, if you're a, if you're a single mom and you have a kid, you know, you get some looks, but it's not that bad, right? Like, I mean... In our society, it's no big deal. Oh, all right. Oh, you're going to be pregnant. Yay. We celebrate. We put it up on Facebook. We, you know, we celebrate it, and it's, it's wonderful, right? But this wasn't going to be Mary's story. 
was going to have to endure a lifetime, a lifetime of people looking at her and going, there's the whore. And Joseph was going to have to endure a lifetime of being looked at as the fool. We have a word for this in Spanish. I can't say it because it's a curse word. It is one of the most, true story, true story. And so in, in English, it doesn't like, you know, it's like, oh, your wife cheated on you. Eh, just like, you know, it doesn't. But there's a, there's a name. It's a, and, and some of the Puerto Ricans are like, yeah, don't say it. Don't say it. True story, true story. I was in, um, I was on the L line on 6th Avenue and 14th. And there was this real skinny guy and there was this real big guy. And they were arguing in Spanish. And you know, how, you know how like it is on the L train where you have like 200 people going up the stairs? Like it's just like this one little narrow set of stairs. And you have like 200 people going up because everybody gets off on the, um, uh, on the 6th Avenue line to go to the 7th Avenue, two of the three. It's like real super packed. Well, these guys were having an argument. And as he was walking up the stairs, the smaller, I think it was a smaller guy. It was a long time ago, so I think it was a smaller guy, and there was a much bigger guy, but they were both Spanish, and he was like that. And the guy, and they were doing all sorts of, like, you know, you know, you, just the worst names you could possibly think about, right? Like, you, mother, father, you, you know, worst names you can possibly think about, going back and forth. And the guy is almost out of sight, and then the one guy throws a parting shot. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But he says it. He goes, he goes, flim flam, right? And the guy, he has, I'm not kidding, a hundred people going behind him. And he stops and he's fighting this incredible, yeah, and he's gonna fight. This smaller guy is gonna fight this bigger guy for having been accused of this terrible thing of your wife cheating on you, right? Like it's super dishonor. Like, so that's in the Spanish culture. Joseph was gonna have to live with that name hanging over his head for the rest of his life. Nobody was going to believe that his wife was, had an immaculate conception. There's nobody's going to believe that. Gabriel tells that to Mary. Mary, and then he tells her, oh, by the way, Elizabeth is going to experience the same kind of blessing. Now, the same kind of blessing in a different way. Elizabeth was old and barren. So it wasn't likely that she would get pregnant, but she got pregnant in the, it was still miraculous because she was older and barren, but it was miraculous in like, you know, God used her husband to be with her and then they, she got pregnant uh, too, right? So Mary goes off and runs to meet Elizabeth. Elizabeth sees her and think about this. Elizabeth has in her womb uh, John the Baptist. You ever heard of him? It's like a big deal, right? Like he's like going to proclaim that Jesus is coming. And, he, and, and John the Baptist, he says, there's John the Baptist. And then uh, 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 John the Baptist leaps in, her mother's, in his mother's womb, right? As like sort of like symbolically saying, whoa, this is a big deal. I'm overjoyed over what's going to happen in Mary. Then at that point, Mary opens up with a song. A song that reminds us what Christmas is all about. A song that reminds us of what this season ought to be about for you and for me. She's going to use the pain that she got 
in receiving this beautiful gospel that God was going to become flesh. She was going to use that pain to proclaim the gospel. She was going to use the loneliness that it would cause to proclaim the gospel. It was unbelievable. And that's where we find our hero or our heroine in the scriptures. In um, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? So you get it? Angels come. Now she's with uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, you're blessed. This is awesome. You're going to be so happy that this is true. Verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Man, that's true, isn't it? Like this is, how many other Middle Eastern uh, poverty-stricken women have you ever heard of 2,000 years ago? Not many, right? God kept his promise. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, then returned home. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. Mary, so there's two things that are happening. One is that Mary gets this news from Gabriel, and Mary understands what, what is happening, but Mary doesn't rejoice in it. Have you ever had something like that happen? Like God speaks to you, and you know what you ought to do, but you don't rejoice in it, right? This can happen, again, like we spoke about with relationships. I remember um, uh, I was reminded about this yesterday. I was talking to my wife, and um, I had a 1984 Monte Carlo. Anybody remember the, yeah, no, that's it right there, right? The Monte Carlo. And um, this was before the Monte Carlo. Oh, the new Monte Carlos look so terrible. But the old Monte Carlos were super cool. And I grew up in a Puerto Rican neighborhood, and so it was super, super cool. Now, never mind that I had an 84 Monte Carlo in 1999, but it was still, it was my Monte Carlo, and the thing was awesome. I loved that. Yeah, 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 it was amazing. It was amazing. So, um, so uh, there came a time where um, God was drawing me to himself, and he was giving me great joy in... Um, uh, giving tithes and offerings. It was just like, I was, but I had like, no, when I say we had no money, we had like no money. Like, you know, you know how like when some people say they have no money, they really don't mean no money because they have like a retirement fund and they have money in the bank and they have a credit card. If that's right. No, 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 I'm talking about credit cards maxed out, zero money in the bank, no money in my pocket, nothing, right? And so I remember there came a choice and there was a choice that month I was either going to pay the insurance on the car or I was going to um, give a tithe and offering unto the Lord. And it was clear 
It was clear what I should do. I was like, oh, get rid of the car. No big deal. And then, and, but it wasn't until when the, when the car was being towed away, the joy didn't come until the car was being towed away. In other words, I knew what I had to do immediately. But it was my first car. And it was a Monte Carlo. And I love that thing. And if I could, if I, could I would have it till this day. So I knew what I was supposed to do, but the joy didn't come in until they actually started to take it away. Um, and I was like, okay, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. There's a joy. This is what's happening with Mary. The joy is coming in, and she's experiencing it in a powerful way. Now, as we said before, Mary's going to have to endure a lot of indignities and a lot of pain, but she's going to let her pain lead to the proclamation of the gospel. And I want to encourage you that you would let whatever Christmas pain you have to lead you to the proclamation of the gospel. Now, in Christmas time, you know how like the song goes, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Does anybody know that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for some of us, not so much. I, just before I got up here, there's another pastor. Um, and his mom just died two months ago. And the Lord just reminded me, oh, wow, yeah, his mom died. And so I just, I sent them an email just a, an hour ago or less. I sent them an email and just going, hey, man, I know it's maybe not the most marvelous time of the year that you might be more, that, that the holidays can, can emphasize, can, can highlight, can heighten the sense of loss. And for those of you who are experiencing that, and it doesn't matter if it was a year ago or if it was 20 years ago, the pain is real and acute. We're reminded, we're reminded of what we lost. And so for those of you who have lost children, or parents, or brothers, or sisters, for those of you who have lost loved ones, I want, I want you to know, God hears your, he knows of your broken heart. And Christmas is proof that he's not standing by idly. In this world, brothers and sisters, there will be trouble and pain and suffering and heartache. And God comes into the world to remind us that he will not divorce himself from the suffering that we've caused ourselves. He will not divorce our, himself from the pain that you and I experience. That he will step into our pain. That's what Christmas is all about. God will step, God through Mary's pain will step into our pain in order to draw us to himself. But not just to draw us to himself, beloved, but to draw others to himself even through our pain. He says this, his mercy, verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost being. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. See, God is going to use this gift that he's given to Mary to lower the proud and raise up the humble. Now, this is good news, because if you're, if you're poor, 
This is really good news. If the gospel meets people in different ways. So if you have everything going on and everything is great in your life and you think, oh my gosh, I'm so bright and I'm so great, God, the gospel comes in and says, hey, listen, you couldn't save yourself. The gospel brings you low and says, don't get so proud because you can't save yourself. You can't extend your life by one day. Your days are in my hand and the gospel brings you low. But if you're poor and you have nothing and you're homeless and you don't know about your next meal and all that other stuff, God goes, I'm going to give you the riches of heaven. He lifts you up. He says, there's, there's a, 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 a an inheritance that I'm going to give you. You now go from being peasants to princes. It's awesome. And so God lowers, the, he humbles the proud and he lifts up the humble to be reminded that he gives us everything that we need. He has brought down rulers. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. See? Beloved, everything that we need in the gospel is found in Christ. So what does this mean for us? Number one, I want you to see that Jesus, his coming in Mary's life, her accepting this is a beautiful picture of what it means to come to Christ. With Mary, God comes to, and listen, some of us get angels, others of us get pastors in services like this saying, Would you come to Jesus? There's this most wonderful gift that Christmas offers you. And it offers forgiveness. And it offers wholeness. It offers reconciliation with God. You go, I didn't know I needed to be forgiven. I didn't know I needed to be reconciled with God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that no matter how hard we try, that no matter what good we do, the good that we do never erases the bad things that we've done. Does that make sense? So say, for instance, someone, uh, and if you don't believe that, here's an example. Say, for instance, someone does um, uh, a drive-by, and they spray, and they kill two of my children, right, on a drive-by. And then they race down a street, and they see that a bus is teetering with, with a bunch of kids, 50 kids, And they see that the bus is teetering off the bridge and they somehow take a clamp and and connect it to their car and then push the bus back from falling off the bridge. Right. You get the picture. Right. And they save the 50 kids. Now, do they get to go to jail or no? They go to jail. Right. Because no matter how many kids were on that bus that they saved, the 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 death that they took or the the lives that they took, no matter how many lives you saved. It doesn't add up for the de- Does that make sense? Okay. So our sins against God, believe me, beloved, listen to me. Our sins against God are not erased because we do a kind act. And if, if I can just be really blunt with you, even our kind acts are filled with, filled with selfishness. I'm reminded of this all the time, that my motives for being kind are self-interested. There are some people that I don't like. You know, have you ever been so angry at somebody that you can hit him? Like, have you ever, like, right, has, right? That, that's happened to us before. Right. Like, I don't hit him because, number one, it'll make me look bad. That, that's not godly. That's selfish. Number two, they can call the cops on me and I'll go to jail. And it's tough to explain to you to walk in Christ from behind. You know, like, 
It's okay to do prison ministry, um, you know, from the inside. I'm just saying I don't want to, right? And so, so, but there's a bunch of selfish reasons for that. My point is, even the reasons that I'm, I'm kind to my wife are filled with all sorts of tensions and, and mixed emotions and stuff like that. Listen to me. The beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel is that God offers himself just like he offered himself to Mary. And he says, this can be birthed in your heart. Come to me. You're, you're filled with sin, but I'm filled with forgiveness. You're filled with running your life on your own, but I'm filled with drawing you to myself. Beloved, this is amazing news. Christmas means that we no longer have to live on our own. Now, my last plea for those of you who are living on your own, I would just say that no matter how bad you've messed up, God can be drawing you to himself. And that's true for those of you who say that you're in Christ, but you live like you're not. I'm telling you that God is drawing you to himself. And can I just say, okay, right, can I? I just want to speak to some of you who are walking around with a particular amount of shame, especially during Christmas. Some of you who have just recently been divorced or cheated on your wife or relapsed or whatever. I want you to know, listen to me, with God, you can start over again. You can start over again. You don't have to continue living as the Lord of your life. You don't have to continue living as the one who has to do everything on your own. God is calling you to himself. Now, God is not only calling you to himself, but he's also calling you to use the calling that he's given you to tell somebody else. It's it's a terrible thing to have a tremendous gift and not share it with somebody. Have you ever had a friend like that? Right? Where it's like, you know, oh my gosh, you're going through all this stress and then they have the solution. And you're like, why didn't you tell me that sooner? Right? It's because every one of us, every one of us need that good news from Christ. That it doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter where you've ended up. That God can meet you right place, if even your rebellion, he can meet you. And if he can meet you, he can meet those in your family. Does anybody here have friends or family who you go, that person will never come to Christ, right? Can you think of one person? That person will never come. Oh my gosh. If, you know, This person will never, well, that's because you're thinking in terms of what you can do or what that person can do, but you're not thinking in terms of what God can do. Would you, would you then, would you then, with this wonderful news that God has given you, would you take an opportunity this Christmas season to not only share what God has doing, just like Mary did with Elizabeth. Look at what God is doing inside. And then she found that whatever God was doing inside of her, God was doing inside of Elizabeth. Which, by the way, as a side note, that's how we grow in Christ. The idea that you can come to Christ and goes, I don't need, I don't need to go to church. I don't need people. I could just worship Jesus on my own. I'm telling you, is completely foreign and completely alien 
to the scriptures. It's utterly alien. Notice what happens with Mary. Mary doesn't get the joy. She gets the angel, but doesn't get the joy. She doesn't get the joy until she starts sharing what God is doing in her with another believer. You see, we need each other. And because of that, we have small groups like um, men's uh, uh, Bible study and women's Bible study. I believe we just finished up a, uh, a class that was on Mondays, and we're going to do another one. And by the way, guys, if you've already gone through the steps and you just want to just like, yo, let me just take a look at this from a Christian perspective, it is a great opportunity um, to just go over that and grow and learn. Listen, sign up for those classes because we were never meant to grow up in a silo. We were never meant to grow up in isolation. We were meant to grow up together, together. So my encouragement for you this Christmas season, if, as you leave here, number one, if you're a Christian, recognize the incredible gift, even if the gift comes with pain, even if friends walk away from you, even if you uh, experience tension in uh, relationships in your, um, in your life. My, my commission to you is not only to receive that, but to share that with others. Amen. That you would share Christ with those who don't know Christ. Now, there's a bunch of ways you can do that. You can simply, literally, you can go up to somebody and say, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? That's a simple way. To, that's, a, that's, that's, that's with the training wheels on, Right? There's a, you don't need any level of expertise. Just, hey, what are you doing on Sunday? Let's come with me. I'm going to church. We're going to be doing Christmas series. It's going to be great. Why don't you just come? So you can invite a friend. And they go, oh, I don't believe in that nonsense. I don't believe in that stuff. Bunch of hypocrites. You just go, hey, why don't you just hang out with me? Just come on. It might be something that um, has value to you. I promise we will we'll do our best to bring our best presentation, number one. Number two, you can simply, you have people in your life that you can share with what God has done with, for you. If you're in Christ, you can share what God has done. What has he done for you? Well, minimally, minimally, you're saved. Minimally, if you've lost a loved one, you go, there's hope in eternity. Minimally, you could say that he now indwells you and encourages you during your times of woe and melancholy. Minimally, you, you have a lot to talk about. Lots to talk about. Share with what God has done in your life. And then for those of you who don't know Jesus, and oh man, I wish you could see what I see. I just... Don't let this Christmas go without receiving this gift. I'm no Gabriel, for sure, but I can tell you that God loves you and that in the midst of all your mess, God has come to let you know that he wants you to come to himself, not on your terms, on his. And that you are, listen to me, here it is. Um, the other day, I was just, it was awesome. And by proclaiming to somebody what Jesus has done in your life, you could do it everywhere. Just this week, I had two. Do you have um, people coming to your house to knock on the door for like the Verizon or Con Edison if you want to do the changing thing? They, they, did, they did that with me this week. And we got into a great conversation. And I offered them pie. And they said yes. And then we started to talk about Jesus. 
And an hour later, we're not only talking about Jesus and, and going back and forth. They're like, hey, man, can we talk about this some more? Yeah, absolutely. Now, now if, I could, if I could do that and you go, oh, you're a professional, listen. If I'm doing that with Verizon folks, <laughs> keep some pie in your fridge. I mean, this is not that hard. Here's the point. Here's the point. We have the most amazing news in the history of the world. And here's the, here's the news. You're worse than you think. That no matter how good you think you are, no matter how bad you think you are, you're worse than that. And why would that be good news? That's only good news if there's something more. Not only, are you, not only am I worse than I think, you are, I am wretched. I promise you I'm the worst person in this room. Listen to me. Not only are we really wretched, but God is really great. And so the half of the news is you're worse than you think. You're more bad than you give yourself credit for. And you go, oh, but that doesn't help me with my self-esteem. Well, you don't need self-esteem. You need God's esteem. How does God view you? How does God esteem you? And here's what God says. I love you so much that my love cannot be erased by a relapse. My love cannot be erased by your sexual identity issues. My love cannot be erased by your, um, uh, your hard heart. Listen, my love cannot be erased can't. And so you're worse than you think, but you're loved than you dared dream. That's how much. So if you don't know Christ, then I commend you to come to Christ and it's as simple as this. A, B, C. Admit just what I just told you. Don't make excuses for the bad things you've done in life. Just admit them. God, this is true. I was unfaithful. I was un or, or if you're one of those good people, God, I've lived my life trying to be good without you, being divorced from you. It would be no good if my wife said, I've never cheated on you, but she never came home. You would see how that would be a problem in the marriage. It would, see, but that's the thing. Uh, our relationship with more of than it is anything else. And so it's, it's, it's no good if you say, oh, but I love God and I obey all the commands, but you never come home. Baby, come home. Come home. So admit that you're a sinner. Admit you haven't come home. You're a good person, but you're good without God, and which is no good at all. And then B, believe. A, admit. B, admit that you're a sinner and that you need God. B, believe that God has come in the flesh, born in a manger, died for your sins. The punishment that you deserve, he takes on the cross. Believe that he's done that for you. Take it personal. And then not only that, but rises from the dead and ascends to the Father and draws you to himself and sends you his spirit. Believe that. And you go, I don't know if I believe that fully. Okay, believe it a little bit. Let's do fully together, okay? We'll do fully together. And then see. Commit your body to him. Wherever he says, whatever he says, do. Whatever he says, don't do, you don't do. Your body's his. Your words, your thoughts, your actions, your deeds. Commit your body to him. For those of you who don't know Christ, you can do that today. Those of you who do know Christ, share with others the wonder of who God is. And don't be ashamed of proclaiming Christ. Don't be ashamed. It's, listen, 
we, we have the home field advantage here in America, right? We got Christmas. It's a great opportunity. People are more open to hearing about God during this time of the year than just about any other time. Maybe Easter is another one. But you get it. So, I encourage you, be like Mary. Sing for joy for all that God has given. Sing that he's brought you to himself. If you don't know Christ, ask him. You don't have to wait till I finish speaking. You can just go, yep, God, I admit that I'm more messed up than I thought. I believe that you love me more than I can imagine, and I commit my body to you. Now, God, lead me to yourself. Just pray that to him. Come to him. And finally, share him with others. You can do that. Share him with everyone that you come across because he's the most amazing gift. Now, would you stand and pray with me?